0: Dear kind and gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you so much for this opportunity today to share our story with you, which is really your story, Lord what a good and gracious God you are to use um, just vessels like us yes to um, do your work, and we pray that it uh, may be a blessing to those here attending. I pray that your Holy Spirit will draw near to convict hearts and to not just here, Lord, um, convict hearts, but to further the work in their communities, wherever they may be, um, to um, be a part of this great work that you have for us. And so this is my prayer in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Um, Fred and I were um, praying over at the prayer room right before this meeting, you know, and um, we, I was feeling really nervous, and then I, I, as I started praying, it just all came out, just started crying, but it's not because I was nervous or anything about this um, seminar, but it's because I was overwhelmed with the goodness of God, you know, so, um, I have these <laughs> just in case, but um, okay. So I want to um, introduce my family to you. Um, my husband's here. He'll be, and um, we're going to be kind of, you know, handing the baton back and forth um, throughout this um, session. Um, but uh, he and I are both dentists. Um, um, but I am not working now. Currently, I'm full time at home with my precious boys. I'm homeschooling them, and so that is where I am now. Um, we just wanted to share with you um, you know that despite our inadequacies I know that you likely when you in light of God's glory we feel so inadequate right um, but I just wanted to share with you despite that um, that we just feel compared to share of God's mercy and grace in our lives and how he can his light can shine forth through us and um, so I think it's important that we share our past story you know how God has Um, brought us to where we are now because it really um, sheds light on where we are now today. So we're just going to try to go quickly um, through our history. Um, Fred and I, we met in dental school and we were classmates and we graduated in 2006 and we got married. And um, shortly after that, we went over to Trinidad as missionaries for a few years. And then uh, we returned back um, at, at, you know during our time there there were a lot of trials that we went through but um, looking back at it in hindsight we realized wow God you were preparing us for the mission field of where we are today which is in the city of Pikeville, Tennessee and so that was really neat to see that um, when we came back to the states um, you know we were kind of four years um, after we had graduated so when we came back We saw all our classmates who had already had um, owning their practices, having their own homes and things like that. And we came back with um, pretty much the same amount of student debt that we had, you know, going to the mission field. And um, we didn't have a home, no vehicles, nothing, you know. And we were just like, wow, you know, like our debt, because both of us went to dental school for training, we had a lot of debt, right? So double of what you all had, unless you're married to a medical professional or anyways, our debt was about that much when we came back. And we didn't have a home, so we had to purchase a home, right? That's what you do. So we bought a house. So on top of that, we had our house debt on top of our student loan debt. And we thought, God, you know, we, um, we know that you have a plan for us. We know that you're going to help us to work out our debt. We, you know, we're in service to you in the mission field, which we don't regret not even an ounce, and we're so thankful for the experience we had, we know that you're going to lead us um, forward, continue to lead us in this, and you're going to help us pay off this debt, because at that time, we were studying prophecy, we were recognizing the time that we were living in, Um, you know, though we kind of understood it before, when we really delved into what we were studying, we realized, God, you know, time is short, we need to get out of debt, and we need to move to the country, and so we began... um, our search for uh, country practice, because um, that's where, of course, um, Fred needed to be um, to um, um, provide a living for our home, uh, our family. And so, um, through you know, long story short, I, I don't have time to go through the whole process, but it was really neat to see how he had brought us to Pikeville. But at the end of all of the searching. Um, he got a tip from somebody that there might be a practice in Pikeville for sale. You might want to check that out. So he gave him a call, and um, the manager picked up, and she just seemed kind of confused, like that he was calling about the practice for sale, you know, because she said, "Um, I don't know how you found out about this practice for sale, but it wasn't actually publicly for sale, you know. But actually what happened was that uh, we were already in contract with another dentist who was interested in purchasing this practice, but we've been trying to get a hold of him for several months now, but we can't get a hold of him, and they were like in the final stages of their contract, and um, she just said it was just the oddest thing, because he was very much interested in this practice, but it's like he just fell off the face of the earth. You know, we just could not get a hold of him for several months we tried, because This practice actually was in the decline because um, the previous owner at that time came down with Alzheimer's and was, you know, doing um, things that were not right in the office. And so um, at the time, they were just trying to get by with, you know, just um, dentists coming in, temp dentists, you know, coming in to just fill in the time. And so obviously that practice was really going down, Um, not very many patients in the office anymore. And they were desperate to keep it alive. Um, And so they were trying hard to get a hold of this doctor, but he wasn't um, being able to be contacted. And so um, she said, okay, we just decided that we're going to cut our contract with this dentist and uh, we're going to put it back on the market just yesterday. And so you know, it was just amazing to us when we when we heard that because we thought, God, we, there's no doubt in our minds that you were you're saving this practice for us, you know? On top of all that, because the practice was on the decline, we were able to get it for a really low cost, and inc- it included the building and also an apartment in the back of that, which we needed because we needed a home to live in at that time. So um, it was just the perfect situation for us, and so we, you know, praise the Lord for that. So now, on top of our... Student loan debt and our house. Now we had our practice debt, right? So we're feeling like, okay, God, like I know that you have a plan for us, and you know, I was, you know, we we're feeling anxious at that time, which we were still a baby in our faith in God, right? And we failed to recognize that He had a plan for us, and so we're trying to fix the solution on our own hand in our own own hands. And so I thought, okay, maybe I need to start going back to work, you know? But then, like our kids were like, like, like six months old and one-year-old and three years old, you know? I mean, what, who, what was I thinking, you know? But I'm, like, trying to fix this on my own. we're like, okay, well, I'll just try the best I can, you know, to work part-time. and But very soon after that, just after a couple months, you know, God strongly convicted me, you need to stay home with your children. And so ever since I've been home with them and never looked back. And, you know, it's just an amazing story of God's... Um, Anyway, you know, God's redemption and, you know, something that's so negative, like a negative balance, right, Um, because, you know, after we purchased that practice, like I said, it was very much struggling, you know, and so... um, Fred had to put a lot of work into building it back up again, but, you know, it's all by the mercy and grace of God, and I just praise his name, you know, because he knows our heart's desire was to just do his work, you know, and to just go where he called us, and in a matter of three and a half years of the purchase of that practice, we were able to pay off all that debt. So I just praise the Lord for that, um... Let me show you a picture of how beautiful Pikeville is. This is where we live. Um, it's in the um, Sequatchie Valley um, near um, the, uh, on the, of the Cumberland Plateau. And um, it's just, you know, a piece of heaven on earth. It's very lush, as you can see. But the city of Pikeville and the residents within that town are so destitute in their lives because they're struggling with um, a low income, with low education, with, um, you know, um, they have just because the combination of inadequate education and heredity, um, they have a lot of struggles with, um, you know, broken homes. It's just incredible how many homes there are just from a broken home. They have, um, you know, they're struggling with the typical, you know, drugs and alcohol, and and unemployment is just um, incredible. And so, you know, God, I believe, took us here um, um, as a mission field, and that's what he was preparing us for this whole time.
1: God is good. Amen? Amen? He really is. and um, So I'm going to share a little bit about um, kind of what it was like for me and also give some practical examples of how we've been able to reflect Christ in our practice. So when I started work in Pikeville, I felt really inadequate. You know, as Jen, Jane mentioned, it was never in my plans to be a practice owner. If you know me, leadership was not one of my gifts and still is God is growing that in me, let's just say. Um, Little did I know that leaders are made and not born. And God had many lessons to teach me. And through that experience, God has been teaching me many, many things. Um, And so, you know, at that time, I still wanted to just live in my comfort zone, just do my own thing, work under somebody else. I have no problems taking orders from somebody. Um, And so that's where I was. But... You know, it's often through our greatest trials that God teaches us humility and the necessary lessons for us to truly grow. And through my experience, unbeknownst to me, God was teaching me to trust in him and that his ways are always higher than our ways. And so now when I look back, I can see the value in having the liberty um, to use my practice freely as a ministry and have the financial freedom to give more than I would have been able to. So, uh, let's just dive straight into our... Actually, before I do that, I want to share something very important. So before I share practical examples, I want to share a really important point. In the book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, which I highly recommend, this was kind of a turning point for me in my life as I was contemplating what I wanted out of my life. Um, You know, I was kind of overwhelmed by all the responsibilities becoming a father was huge for me. I mean, having one son is one thing. That I felt like I could handle. Then we added two, and then the third one came, and I was just, I mean, I was done. I mean, I just couldn't handle My mind couldn't handle it. And so, you know, there were a lot of things that, you know, came on me, so then at that point I had to decide, am I going to continue, am I going to face this, or am I going to just crumble? So I started to read books. One of them was Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and in that book, the author Stephen Covey talks about two contrasting Um, approaches to growth and change. And he uses the term character ethics, which more focuses on who we are versus personality ethics uh, that focuses more on the things that we do. Which one of these do you think is more important? Character ethics, right? But in our day and age, we are beginning to lose that because all of the the counseling and the the self-help, Talks and and motivational speakers, they talk about things that we do versus working on who we are. There is a saying that I really like that says this, who you are speaks so loudly I can't hear what you're saying. The same idea is found in the book Ministry of Healing, page 469. It says, there is an eloquence far more powerful than the eloquence of words in the quiet, consistent life of a pure, true Christian what a man is has more influence than what he says, and that's really important to me because I'm a man of a few words. Um, as you can tell, I'm not even an eloquent speaker. I'm not as good as my wife, a natural. Um, but God, in spite of that, is doing a work in my heart to be able to reach and touch um, lives. So with that, you know, as I was saying, about practical examples, I was a little reluctant to list, give you a list of ways that we do that because it is not necessarily by the act of it, but rather the heart of it, which is difficult to isolate into a list. But we did realize that it is helpful to hear examples for the purpose of generating new ideas. Early in our marriage, when Jane and I would get into conflict, And as hard as that is to believe, we did get into a lot of conflict, unfortunately, at the beginning. But as I came to understand my fault, which was a lot of the time, I would ask Jane to tell me how I can love her better. But she wouldn't want to list them for me, right? I would say, just tell me what to do, right? Because I didn't know how to do it. But... So why didn't she want to tell me? Because it wasn't about what I did, it was more about what was in my heart, right? Did I truly love her? And if I did, it would naturally end up manifesting itself. And so that's kind of how it is, right? We want to be authentic in our reflection of Christ. We don't want a cookie-cutter version of being a Christian in, in the workplace or, or whatever. So that's the kind of dilemma, right? It must come from the heart, and I don't believe... Um, there is one way to accomplish that. So, as we go through this talk, I want you to be able to reflect on your own heart, right? Where are you? Do you truly have a heart for your staff, for your patients, for your community, even for your own family, right? As, as interesting as that might be. So, with that, I'm going to go ahead and share uh, some things here. Um, Sorry, I skipped on there. So in our office, it begins with the culture of the practice. This requires intentionality, right? In a successful practice, you must be intentional about every little thing that you do, even the minutest details. So let me ask you guys, who sets the tone for any office? It can be any work setting, really, right? Generally as healthcare professionals, whether we're doctors, dentists, whatever, we are looked at as a leader, right? You don't have to own the practice. Just in your title alone, people look up to you. And sometimes we don't recognize the influence that we have. But I'm coming from this as a practice owner perspective. So how is your team? And that's important because a chain is only as strong as its weakest link, right? Thankfully, when God brought us to Pikeville, he also instilled within us a strong conviction to approach it as a mission field. And here's a quote that I um, shared earlier. Every true disciple is born into the kingdom of God as a missionary. It doesn't exclude any of us, right? Mission work is not an event or a trip. It is a lifestyle. Continuing that same quote, it says, God expects personal service from everyone to whom he has entrusted a knowledge of the truth for this time. Not all can go as missionaries to foreign lands, but all can be home missionaries in their families and neighborhoods. Christian service, page 9. What is your mindset? What's your motivation? Why do you do the things that you do? Do you ever ask yourself these questions? What are your core values? And do your staff know it? Do the people that you work with, do they know what your values are? There's a quote that we have uh, in my office, in our break room, that epitomizes the culture and values we stand for in our office, and it says this. I love this. It says, We are to look upon every duty, however humble, as sacred, because it is a part of God's service. Our daily prayer should be, Lord, help me to do my best. Teach me how to do better work. Give me energy and cheerfulness. Help me to bring into my service the loving ministry of the Savior. Have we been able to communicate that to our staff, the people that we work with, in a meaningful, attractive way, right? It's not just about calling ourselves Christian or Adventist. Do they know it by your actions, by your heart? So these are things that are impossible to enforce without first truly buying into it yourself. And you must really search your soul, right? It's one thing to say it, but another to actually live it. Once they see and witness and know who you are, they will naturally want to follow. If not, then they will need to find another place to work that fits their values. Thankfully, I have never had to force my values on my staff. They have always just embraced it. I have never had to fire any one of my girls. Uh, And uh, you know, on a side note, it is important how you hire, right, to have a dynamic hiring process. I've had to hire four girls since I've been there. And, uh, you know, it's only by God's grace. That it's just been a seamless transition, uh, learning to know what to look for, uh, making sure you know your values so that you can communicate it in a way that they know what they are coming into, right, to be a part of what you're creating. So in addition to communicating and leading by your values, that must be accompanied by genuine care and concern for your team. And uh, they don't have to be your employees. You could do the same with your employees your co-workers one of our core values in our office is to take care of the team and that means that everyone is involved not just owner to employees but employees to employees but also employees to owners we all take care of each other I take care of them just as Dr. Otis was sharing they take care of me and they, and they do it in many ways you know they're so generous with me um, You know, even just this morning, several of the girls texted me because they knew I was nervous about this. They said, we're praying for you, Dr. Lee. We know you're going to do great. Um, So we can't just communicate that with our words. We must follow through with our actions. One principle you can follow is one thing that I learned from the book, Seven Habits, is to think win-win. So they must know that you have your best interest at heart. You have their best interest at heart. So anytime I do well, I do best to include them I do my best to include them in our blessings. We have a bonus system in our office that allows them to be rewarded for their hard work and efforts. When we hit our goals or break records, they get to enjoy the fruits of that also. We take trips together, I buy them lunch, we have team outings, spend time together, I know their families, I know their kids. We know everything about each other. And uh, we do our best to instill family values into our culture, and that is how we operate. Does that mean we don't have any issues? Does any family not have any issues? No, we do. But that gives us a platform, right? A foundation in which how to guide us through those issues. Another core value of ours is to take care of our patients. And when I say that, I mean really take care of them. I know in dentistry, we have all heard the saying, um, you know, we are to treat each patient as if they were our mother, right? Or our family member. But how many of us really Follow that, right? Is that what we're thinking when we're treatment planning? Or are we thinking dollar signs about the bills that we have, about, you know, whatever that we need to to pay for? Because if even unconsciously, so you have to really dig deep, right? Is that your unconscious thought? Because what you think in your heart will naturally seep out, and some people, maybe not all, will be able to see that, if not the patients, for sure your team, so, if you are true and honest in your treatment planning, and I understand that we all have different philosophies on how we diagnose, and that's fine. But as long as you are true to yourself, then that will be communicated. So, because of that, we have a very high rate of accepted treatment plans. Because at the end of the day, our patients, our team, everybody knows that we are truly working um, at the best interest of our patients. So another thing that I do, just a practical tip, is I try to intentionally touch every one of my patients that walks through our doors. Whether it's a handshake, whether it's a tap or a squeeze of their shoulder, if it's a kid, whether it's a pat on the head, a squeezing of the cheeks, um, there is some kind of physical interaction involved not because to create the 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 idea or the facade that i care but because i actually do care so the way that i look at it and the way that our team looks at it, is everyone that walks through our door becomes our family they are our responsibility and that is communicated in all the little things that we do Um, another way we do that take care of our patients just practical ideas is you know we Give them gifts. If they have to wait an extended amount of time, we have gift cards, cash cards. Just letting them know that we respect their time. One cool thing that we got to do this year, um, I had my first centenarian celebrated his 100th birthday, and uh, we got to bring his family in, and we gave them lunch, got them a cake, and you know, celebrated with him. And these are little things that we can do that show our patients that we truly care about them um, as a person. Another thing that somebody gave me the idea of was these pop-open scripture cards. You know, there's something very unique. I don't know, I'm sure you guys have noticed this, but when a patient comes in a dental chair, for some reason they feel very vulnerable and open and oftentimes will share their life story with you. Do you guys ever... Experience that, um, and so we get that a lot, and and that provides many opportunities. So when that happens, you know what do you do? You know I'm kind of like Eric. We just we stay busy, but when that happens, you know how do we respond, right? I push everything aside and I give them my full attention to let them know that I do care because they're sharing something from their own heart, right? Something that is really meaningful to them. And uh, oftentimes, there are struggles. Another way uh, that we can do is, kind of like what Pastor Finley was sharing earlier uh, last night about, I can't remember what the term was, architect theme, like creating your architecture uh, to promote your, to show your your purpose, your mission, your values. And... um, ways that we do that one simple way actually is the music that we play all throughout our office Um, just I hand select we have a playlist of Christian music and something so little you wouldn't imagine the kind of feedback that we get almost every single day I have a patient tell me thank you so much for the music that you're playing I just needed that that just really touched my heart that's something that I needed to hear um Something very little. Another thing is, you know, we have um, nature scenes. I have TVs in our operatories. We don't play any TV shows. We don't play anything like that. We have nature escapes. You'd be surprised at the beautiful scenery that you can find on YouTube. 4K drone footage of all over the world. I mean, God's amazing, magnificent creation, and you're just in awe. That also is one thing that we do. Um, I have a prayer box is an idea that we got from Amen. I think Calvin Kim shared this talk, uh, shared a talk a number of years ago, and, and gave me this idea. We have prayer cards um, that our patients fill out that gets filled pretty quickly, even little kids will take time, and that gives me an opportunity to, to see and enter into the life of my patients, right? To know what they're struggling with, um, to know what's important to them, and also to be able to take time to pray about it. Simple things. Another thing that we do um, is there are many opportunities, at least in, in the dental field. There are, we have local organizations, which if you look for them, Which maybe you already know them. You know, we get cards and whatever for support, to sponsor, to donate. We have a a local organization right near our home called Blazing Hope Ranch, um, which is a ministry to counsel, to support. They take in human trafficking survivors. And they have a 12- to 18-month program where they take them in, they care for them, they counsel them, and prepare them for the real, you know, to, to allow them to go back, transition back into the, the real world. But I offer free services to all of their, um, their I don't know if they're patients or their people. But I have one testimony that I really wanted to share because this is why we do what we do. This girl here, I'm going to share this card, and I'm thankful she just shared her first name. When she first came into our office, I could not be in the room. <clears throat> I'm the only male in our office. I could not be in the room. <clears throat> she came in. I had to hide, and she got her teeth cleaned. Thankfully, my hygienist was a female. Um, and then she said, okay, I'm going to just try. She said, on my way out, can you just have him, me, face the wall, like face, have my back towards her, and I'm going to see if I can just walk by. And that first day, she said, she couldn't even look at me she couldn't even look at my back i mean this is the trauma that she has been through and uh, on one of her visits she sent she gave us this card she says this i am sitting here listening to worship music as i prepare my heart for my appointment this morning i am overcome with gratitude your office has been so kind to me being laid back in the dental chair with people touching me makes me feel trapped it is a constant struggle to stay present and keep my mind from spiraling into memories. Y'all have been so understanding and show me the love of Christ. I am thankful for each of you. I am learning that my worth is not a dollar amount. Y'all offering your services to me with no strings attached has helped me to see that it is possible for other people to see me as a person worthy of love, not just see me as an object. Y'all, y'all are a blessing. Thank you. Just This is why we do what we do, right? <laughs> You know, it's things like that that keep me going, that fuels me to continue to work, right, and do what we do. So now that I've, you know, these are just little examples that we can do in our practice, but I want to talk about ways that we can um, impact our local community. And Jane's going to touch on it a little bit more, so I'm just going to try to breeze through these, because I know there's still a lot we need to cover. Um, Every community should have a health department. I don't think it's unique to Tennessee. I think it's nationwide has a health department and usually associated with a health department, they have a health council that they open up to the community. Um, for whatever reason I can't remember, I was invited to a health council. They meet once a month, we just have you know lunch together and kind of share what's going on in the community and, and all the local organizations come in together. And over time, not because I'm very skilled or talented or a leader, just based out of need, they needed, asked me to be their chairperson. <clears throat> so that has provided many, many opportunities in our community. Um, so, chairing the, the local health council. Out of the health council, we started another organization, which is a nonprofit organization called Better Bledsoe. We live in Bledsoe County. In Tennessee, and um, it's just a grassroots movement of just local leaders in our community that want to get together that pro- that wants to promote health. They're not Adventists, but we get to share our health message, and they love it. I mean, they absolutely love it. So we have better blood. So there, sorry, I thought it was up on the screen. Um, give it school school programs. We have things like give a child a chance, back to school. There's a lot of needy kids in our community that just don't have things. So, you know, we set up a booth. You know, they give backpacks away. We give school supplies. We'll give toothbrush kits, highlighters, pens, notebooks, whatever. Whatever it is, you know, ways that we can support and fill the needs. Uh, School program support. Our community has tons of different um, little sub-organizations that exist to help and support our needy. And just last month, you know, they asked for rain jackets. Kids that don't have rides to school have to walk to school in the rain. They need a rain jacket. So we're able to provide rain jackets. I mean, just little things like that are such a blessing to be able to do and provide for. Um, RAM clinics, I don't know if RAM clinics are in your area, but another way um, to show your heart for service which gets communicated to everybody, and not to do that, but it's just showing who you are, right? And then, lastly, dentistry from the heart um, is something kind of like what Eric shared. Clinic with a heart, we do that once a year, where we provide free dental care, and uh, we also have Ellie, a dermatologist, come, and several of the doctors in this audience has come and helped out with us, where we provide free dentistry for our community. We see over a hundred patients. Um, and you would not believe what comes out of this I mean the community just loves it we we get to there's only one main street in Pikeville they closed the street down for us that day we get to do a health expo we get um, all kinds of stuff now it's turning into a, like a citywide event that we do every year and uh, that's been a huge blessing um, there's so much more but actually what I wanted to share from that was it's just a testimony from one of my girls from just this recent Dentistry from the Heart, she texted me from that and said this, Thanks, thank you so much, Dr. Lee, for this opportunity, because my staff, we all volunteer. They volunteer their time. The community comes together, and we all work together for this. And she said, I just love it. I think my calling is serving others, and it makes me so happy. And that is it, right? Reflecting Christ. There are so many others, but I'm going to let Jane continue here um, on this next section.
0: So um, I just want to emphasize in this portion of my talk is that you know the power that you hold as a healthcare provider, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say specifically in a small rural town is just um, limitless. You know um, the the impact and the influence that you can have in that kind of a community as a healthcare provider. So you know keep that in mind the power that you hold within your hands. You know, but um, you know throughout the years we have you know, use the practice as a center of influence in our community. Um, You know, you have the patients streaming in, and, you know, you get to know, he gets to know them, and then he introduces me to their families, you know, and it's just a great way to use as a ministry, you know, and so, you know, the beauty of the small rural town and where we are specifically in Pikeville, you know, it's just a beautiful situation because, you know, they um, are just like a big family, you know, the community. I mean, the county is very small, population 20,000. The city within city limits only 1,200 or something like that. So, or sorry, city, county population 10,000. Yeah, so anyways, um, it's just like a big family, you know, and we were wondering, you know, are they going to welcome us? We're the only Asians in that whole town, you know. (laughs) The rest of them are all... Pretty much Caucasian, you know, and we thought, how are they going to feel about us coming in? But you know, they've welcomed us with uh, warm hands, and I I think that it's because of they they know the heart that we have for the community, you know, and so um, it's been a blessing to be be there. And um, when we first moved to Pikeville, you know, we already saw it as a mission field, and we thought, how are we going to incorporate our lives into theirs, you know? And so we just started attending, you know, because his practice was still building up. It wasn't established there, Um, and so we just started attending their events, you know? Any events that didn't compromise our values, we just attended, like, um, you know, if they had, like, a, a a, a charity walk we would go there um, if the, if it was like a Christmas program that the Baptist church, church was holding we would go there um, if it was uh, we have something called 5th Sunday Sing where every 5th Sunday so quarterly um, all the denominations get together and they sing you know um, just praising God and all the churches will you know share their music and so it's a great way for our family to share music with them and so that's been a great opportunity for us but you know throughout the years Um, You know, and then he ended up getting involved with health counsel as you know, and then um, Better Blood, so um, we've been a part of that. So, you know, throughout the years, um, I think God provided us opportunities to show the community um, our heart, like, that we just want to be integrated with them, you know, um, that we are a part of them, and um, they've really just opened up their hearts to us. so just the same way as Fred has had the opportunity to share in the lives of his patients and get to know him that way, and then that way, um, even though I'm not working in his office in, in no way, like I'm never in the office, um, you know, again, he's able to introduce me to their families, to his patients and to their families. But also somehow, you know, because our community is so small, they just know that um, I'm a dentist too, and they know that I'm really interested in healthy living, And so, you know, I've just been so, like, um, overwhelmed by, you know, the phone calls, the messages, the uh, wanting to meet, wanting to talk, you know, they just have so many questions about health, you know. And um, it's been a great opportunity for me to, you know, meet the needs of these people. And um, I find, you know, as I start talking to them about Health about their health, of course, just like you know, a patient in the chair who's just vulnerable with you know um, it, with their dental health and putting it in the hands of Fred. You know, they're it's like they're unfolding their um, heart to me and sharing their um, health struggles, but at the same time, you know, they I find almost pretty much all the time, they have a a deeper longing, you know, like um, something that's not being met, and it's um, always spiritually, you know, and so it's created a lot of opportunities to talk about spiritual things, Um, and I think that, you know, I'm I'm talking to to, to you about this, how you can impact your community as a community member, but, you know, I think that what was an important ingredient in all of that is that they knew that I had a a degree you know, and so that they were more willing to listen to what I had to share, but I think that um coupled with that degree was also the heart of that um, heart of caring you know like of genuine care and concern for the people, and so again you know i 'm going to repeat that the combination of those two is just, you know, it says right there, the power of your degree coupled with a heart of service is unestimable, you know, like, you cannot place a value on that, and um, God can use it mightily, you know, for his service, um, you know, um, I put here, you know, it gives you a license, your, your, dental, your dental degree gives you the license to heal the aching of a tooth, but um, it also gives you the license to heal the aching of a soul, you know, um, here it um, says, Christ's method alone will give true success in reaching the people. The Savior mingled with men as one who desired their good. He showed a sympathy for them, ministered to their needs, and won their confidence. Then he bade them follow me. I think God has called each one of us as healthcare providers or just a community member, whatever you may be, to heal the brokenness in the community and um, to restore the health, um, both, you know, physically, mentally, spiritually in all aspects. Um, and by doing that, we will be doing God Christ Method alone by reaching um, their needs, meeting their needs Um Another way that Fred and I have been involved with the community is through the welfare ministry. Um, So we just, you know, contacted the local social uh, worker, I don't exactly know her her real title, but um, you know, who works with needy families and um, ask them, you know, whose family that we can reach out to this year, or and she would get us in contact with them. So that was a way for us to, again, um, integrate ourselves into the community and find um, ways to meet their needs. And um, through that, we were able to build relationships with them and um, sometimes bring them to church with us and things like that. Um, another way that we saw the need growing, because um, remember I said, um, well, uh, actually, I didn't mention this, but, you know, Bledsoe County is ranked 91 out of 95 um, in um, in the state of Tennessee based on health factors such as health behaviors, clinical care, social and economic factors, and physical environment. And so there was a, there's a huge need, you know, um, not just with the poverty, but also with their health. And so as we started to realize, you know... Um, the, it was just a growing need, and we were becoming overwhelmed with it. We recognized that we had to do something about it. But as Fred is a full time um, dentist and me full time at home um, homeschooling the children, um, there just was no time. You know, like um, Eric was saying, like we were meeting our limit. You know, like this is as much as we can handle. We can't really do much more. So it was just a intellectual like understanding, like this is the need, but we knew that we couldn't go further than that. So we just prayed, you know, because God. I felt like God was tugging on our hearts. You need to do something about this, you know? And so one day, it, I mean, we probably were feeling this, this conviction for a year or two, or I don't know, you know, but, you know, I think that it had gone on long enough, and I just thought, God, okay, I know that you want us to do something, and um, for some reason I feel like you want us to start with a diabetes program. Um, I don't know Why? Because we're just dentists, you know, like we don't. What do we know about diabetes, you know? But I feel like that's what you want us to do. So I'm praying about this right now, and I'm saying, I don't. We don't have the time for that. But I know that your power is limitless. You're able. You know. You know. Your ability. I can't put um, a limit on that. So um, if you want us to do this, you're just going to have to like just drop it on our laps, you know. So after that prayer, the next day. I got a call from Jan Frischett from the health department, and she said, Jane, we just got a $5,000 diabetes grant, and I was wondering if you can be a part of representing our county in that, you know? And I was like, God, okay, I guess. Oh. And she said, can you come to the working meeting ne- next month or whatever it was, you know? And I was like, oh. I was dragging my feet, to be honest, because I don't like to leave my family at home. And this would require me to be gone for two days. And I thought, okay, I guess I'll just go. We'll just see what it's about. And I really honestly wasn't excited about it. But when I got there, I realized clearly God's plan and all of that, you know. So as we were sitting in the meeting, you know, I'm not really... Um, outspoken so you know as there, it it was a working meeting so we're trying to discuss ideas like how we're going to use this money Um, everybody was sharing their ideas and I was just sitting there you know and then I think maybe somebody said you know what do you think I don't know you know but somehow I just shared my thought well I don't know I'm thinking maybe It might be good to start a reversing diabetes program, you know? And then they just, like, all jumped on that, you know? They're like, that's a great idea. Yes, we're going to allot the majority of our funding to that, you know? I was like, okay, great. I'm still thinking, how are we going to do this? When are we going to do this? I don't know, but okay, whatever, you know? And then um, we're still trying to decide, you know, talk about more ideas and then... um, and I'm just sitting there and then they're like don't you guys have like a dentistry from the heart event coming up soon like um, in a couple of months um, they're like what do you think if we do like a health expo with that Do you know like do a community health expo and have um, all um, the community services come and you know provide all of the resources and things like that while your event is going on so that it, you know be your, the patients are already there you know so we can provide them more information and I thought sure that's a great idea you know because you know, we have always wanted to do a health expo. We just, of course, then the limiting factor for us was the time, right? We didn't have the time, so I thought, okay, that's a great idea. Sure, we'll do that. You know, but again, I'm thinking, who's going to plan all this? I don't know, but we just, I'm just going with it at that point because I did know in the back of my mind, God brought me to that meeting for a reason. You know, so um, you know, as as we were sitting there, um, oh yeah, let me back up. Let me back up and um, share it with you uh, on this, you know, because what I realized through that, um, anyway, so then um, you know we as a church as the adventist church um, we've we've we know very well about um, diabetes programs and about lifestyle changes, about plant based diets, about new start, and all these things, you know but um, you'll be surprised at how new this is to the community members, you know. And so we have a special gift in our hands, which is the health message to share, you know. And um, it, I believe it's our duty, right, our responsibility to share those things. But you'll be surprised that when you share those things and implement it, um, the outcome that will come from it and um, and the results um, and so the group that we had worked with, particularly the Better Blood So organization, um, they had bought into that idea. And they, um, you know, said, Jan said to me, you know, you're reverse, the, the reversing diabetes class, this is a picture that, that you put on, the results from that were astounding. She said, I've never seen in all my years of working in the health department results like that, you know. And um, so, you know, we definitely have something to offer. Uh, The community and, you know, I mentioned the health expo, you know, we, we do that all the time, right? Our churches. Um, But the neat thing about that, this health expo is that these are all community members. None of them are from our church, you know, but they have all um, seen our desire to share the health. You know, message, of course, they don't understand all of that, you know, but we're praying, you know, we know that God has a purpose in all of this, you know, but, you know, we begin with Better Blood, so and the people there, and it'll continue to grow as, um, you know, the community gets more involved. But remember, I was saying before that, you know, my prayer was, God, you're going to have to drop this on my lap um, for us to accomplish this. And, you know, he didn't end with just the funding, you know. He ended with the manpower because what happened from that working meeting was that um, Jan Fisher from the health department, along with, like, um, a, um, another representative from the UT extension, they um, just jumped on these events, and they said, don't worry, we're going to take care of all of it, you know. And so I think the next day after I got back from that working meeting, uh, I got a call you know she's like okay we got the venue set up you know it's all scheduled and then okay okay we have the um, the the street it was going to be closed off and you know okay I called this vendor and this vendor and they're all said they're going to come and I'm like okay great you know like I'm just like so overwhelmed because she's like working so hard at, on this and accomplishing so much and all we had to do was pick the date And, um, you know, iron out a few other details, but for the reversing diabetes class and for the health expo, uh, the community took care of all of it, you know. And so he provided us with the funding and he provided us with the manpower because, you know, in the church that we attend in Pikeville, it's a very small church. And they're all elderly, you know. And so we don't have workers, you know. And so we needed that, you know. And God provided that through the community, so I praise the Lord for that, you know? Um, okay. Oh, this is a picture of us at the meeting there. Okay, so as as we were there at that working meeting, um, I was just, you know, I just love all of this health work, you know, for the community. And so I was sitting there listening to all these ladies share their thoughts and their excitement about, you know, what we're going to be doing. And I was like, you guys are just so amazing you know like the work that you're doing is so good you know and then one of the ladies turned to me like kind of confused that I was saying that and she looked at me and she said you're the one that's doing such a good work you know and I was confused like why is she pointing out me like because I don't I'm not doing anything you know like I'm just sharing my ideas you're the one that's doing everything you know and then later after I got home and I was talking to Fred about it, I was like, I don't understand why she said that because I feel like they do so much, you know? And he said, um, you know, you, you forget to um, recognize that these ladies are there because it's their job, you know? They're getting paid for it, but you're not, you know? And so, again, I'm going to go back to that, you know, statement that I shared, the power of your degree, you know, and the heart of service, is unestimable. That's something that is a jewel that you're not going to find just anywhere. It's very rare, you know? And so use that um, for God's glory. And I'm going to share this. You know, you've heard that when there's a will, there's a way. But I'm going to say that it's, in, in, in this case that we're talking about, it's not about the de- our determination because determination relies on our own strength, right? But rather it's about our willingness because willingness relies on the openness to be used. Um, Your doctorate can do more than just within the four walls of your dental office or your medical office or wherever you might be serving. It can open the doors to the community through more than just dentistry or medicine or whatever. It can provide ways to share the health message and ultimately the gospel message. The opportunities are endless and there's no limit with God.
1: Okay, okay, we were totally off on our time estimates here, but this next section could take a whole other hour. But I'm going to do my best to try to, to squeeze through. And this is kind of actually the dental portion of it. Um, so let's see what I can do. And actually, I was going to leave it out, but then I realized this morning as I was looking at our program that it was in our objectives, so I've got to at least cover it a little bit. But what we learned over the last several years was that as our values were seen in our community, our practice grew and grew and grew and grew. That was never our motivation, but that was the product of our genuine love and care for our community. But at the same time, in my mind, I had conflicting views, right? I've got a growing practice, but I also have a growing family, and they are my ultimate priority. And as Eric mentioned, they are our first mission field. So through, Eric actually gave me the idea of working um, less. Three days a week. He, he planted into my mind the idea of working a three-day work week. And I thought, wow, that sounds really good. So I thought, can it be possible? <clears throat> Randomly, I stumbled across a blog or an article by a doctor. It wasn't Dr. Blatchford, but it was just another doctor, Justin Shorten. He has, a, I think, a consulting thing about working three days a week while taking eight to ten weeks off a year. I recognize now that this is not for everyone. As I have talked and shared to several of my friends, they said, what am I going to do with all that time off? Well, if you have that problem, <laughs> we're not on the same level, right? <clears throat> but, but here's the thing. If we are driven by values and principles, sometimes that causes us to walk roads less traveled. right? So in a matter of six months, we, our office, transitioned to me working three days a week, Monday through Wednesday, and taking at least at least eight full weeks off a year. Prior to that, I was working four days a week and taking one, maybe two full weeks off a year, which is pretty typical, right? I'm just following the norm, but we don't have to follow the norm, right? As I was thinking about that, I was thinking about, you know, I read an article about, the top three regrets of a retiring dentist or professional, whatever it is. And the top two was, I wish I didn't work so hard. And number two was, I wish I spent more time with my family. So I said, forget it. I'm not going to wait till I retire to think about what I should have done. I'm just going to do it now. But here's the kicker, okay? So we've been doing this for two years now. We were able to accomplish that while increasing our annual production. It doesn't make sense, right? It didn't make sense to me, right? <clears throat> but if you stay principally driven, right? And what our principle was, God says higher than the highest human thought can reach is God's ideal for children. I know that the end of that, the goal of that is godliness, godlikeness. But if we apply it to every area of our life, the sky is the limit, There's a quote here. It says, to be like Jesus, page 301, our first duty toward God and our fellow beings is that of self-development. Every faculty with which the Creator has endowed us should be cultivated to the highest degree of perfection, that we may be able to do the greatest amount of good of which we are capable. That is our motivation. How do we do this? Now, tips. So these are some of the dental tips that maybe you guys can... Um, incorporate into your office if you want more details you'll have to talk to me later because there are other ways that we can learn to be efficient just (laughs) hustle right you've got to hustle and I could end there but it's not so the idea is that we create in our office it's kind of like um, think of an orchestra right as you're listening in your headphones you think of an orchestra you see you hear all the parts but you don't see all of the work that's taking place beyond behind the scenes. That's how we want to be in an office. So you have to create a system of efficiency in your office, right? takes a lot of um, team training, um, <clears throat> learning to Cross-train the staff. So one of the ways is, you know, if I'm running behind, my hygienist can come in and numb for me. Or we have cross-trained, my front office girls can come in and help in the back with sterilization, uh, turning over rooms, or whatever. Just learning to work together as a, as a team. We don't want to waste any time. If I have time sitting back in my office, I'd rather be home, right? So we have the idea of if we're going to be here, we're going to be here, right? We're going to make the most of our time. We're going to push ourselves, And we're going to be the best that we can. And you've got to keep your staff motivated. And you can make it fun. Um, We can make it fun. The girls have a good time. It's not like it's just crazy busy and nobody's having fun. We laugh. We joke. You know, I take time with the patients. Yes, it is busy. But um, we try to make ways to to make it fun. Um, Another way is block scheduling. Um, this is something that was big. I asked my front desk girl, I said, you know, what is one of the biggest ways that we have been able to accomplish our goals? Because it has been mind-blowing, the blessings that, I mean, I can't even take credit for any of it. Um, but, you know, she said block scheduling is one of them. We, she does high production blocks. Um, we are a busy office because we do take Medicaid and I just cannot cut that out. We're the only practice in town And so, you know, for me, it's a ministry. So I want to cater to all levels of our community. But, you know, one thing that does require us, you know, they have to respect our time as we respect their time. So we have a really strict um, no-show broken appointment policy. we have a, even a fee. Most people say not to do a fee, which we don't enforce it a lot, but we do communicate it just to communicate the idea of our time. Your time is valuable. Um, for our Medicaid patients, because they're notorious for not showing up, we have a stricter no-show policy. You know, If they don't notify us ahead of time, then they no longer get appointments ahead of time. They're not dismissed, but they can get same-day appointments if we have availability. Um, <clears throat> Block scheduling is one of them. Uh, you have to have a good confirmation system. We don't use texting. We don't do emails. We do a, a physical and audible phone call. We actually converse with them um, to minimize our broken appointments. Um, high accepted treatment planning, and that begins with you, right? That begins with how your treatment, it begins with not even how your treatment planning or your philosophy, it begins with your heart, right? Everything that we do, it has to begin there. Um, I just added this one in there. There's, a, there's a, a company called Unlock the PPO. It didn't work for me, but it may work for you if you are a PPO-based office. There are ways that you can renegotiate your fees. The fees are always low. And my fees are not crazy high. You know, for us to reach our goals, we're not, like, ripping people off and and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. But there are, you know, little ways that you can learn to become efficient in order to still meet your goals and even exceed them, you know. But it does take for you to give it all you got, right? But that's how we want to live, right? God calls us to be the best that we can be. He has endowed us with... um, a skill and a talent, not to be used for selfish gain, but to be used in service for him. And um, so what do I do with that extra time? What that has allowed me and my family to do is more time for mission work abroad. Um, We do mission works even at home in our country. Um, you know, we want to give our children a broader world view so they can learn to see the world in Christ with Christ's perspective. True education is a production of a life of service, and that is what we want to instill in our children. We can't do that if we're working all the time. So, I'm not telling everybody you have. To, this is not a cookie cutter, right? This is what works for us. You can modify it, whatever, but figure out what your principles are, right? What are your goals? What do you want to get? What is God calling you to do? One thing that I really love that I kind of want to share, which I kind of skipped over a lot of stuff, but as God increases, there is a danger, right? God's blessings can oftentimes become our greatest curse. And um, I I don't have time to go into that. But one thing that I learned by Julian Archer shared at an ASI meeting, he said this, God sometimes may increase our standard of living. Well, we may increase our standard of, okay, sorry. We, God blesses us not necessarily to increase our standard of living, but to increase our standard of giving. And that is the law, the universal law that governs the entire universe. God is love. Giving is living. And, you know, that's the cycle that completes God's love. Hopefully that made some sense. I hope it did. So I want to end my part with this. We have been given a very unique skill and talent. Don't squander that skill to serve yourself. Use it to be a blessing to others. Even in your own practice, there are many, many ways that you can do that. You know, to be honest with you, right, there have been times where I've had to pray for God to give me a love for my patients right, even for my staff, right, because we do deal with drama, and we do deal with things that come up, and, uh, you know, I've had to pray for that, but does God answer? Does he hear our prayers? He does. He is faithful to us. So the spirit of amen is not an event, but a lifestyle. To those he calls, he will enable. Sorry, we have a little bit more. These are just going to
0: be our closing thoughts, maybe about five to seven more minutes, I don't know. Okay, yeah. Um, Okay, our family really loves going on mission trips together, both near and far. But, you know, as Eric mentioned earlier, that the mission field begins in your own home, right? And then it spreads into your office with your staff, and then from your staff to your patients, and from your patients to your community, right? And then from your community to the world, right? And so it's a really exciting thing to be a part of that. But just remember that it begins where it lies closest um, to you, which is in your home, right, and with your staff. Um, this is a picture of the boys with our, um, the uh, harvesting the grapes. And, you know, the Lord has been so good in, in blessing our work um, in the community and in our home. But he's also really richly blessed our land, you know. And so, um, you know, the garden and the trees or whatever, you know. But, you know, just as the Lord has blessed us with the fruit of our land, um, you know, we feel compelled to share that with others, you know. So whatever increase we have from our land, we share with others. Um, But just the same, you know, God has blessed us all with talents and skills, right? And we too should be compelled to share that with others, right? Um, The Lord shall establish thee as a holy people unto himself as he has sworn unto thee. If thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God and walk in his ways, and all people of the earth shall see that thou art called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of thee, and the Lord shall make thee plenteous in goods, in the fruit of thy body, and in the fruit of thy cattle, and in the fruit of thy ground, in the land which the Lord sware unto thy fathers to give thee. The Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure, the heaven to give the rain unto thy land in his season, and to bless all the work of thine hand. And thou shalt lend unto many nations, and thou shalt not borrow. We are so undeserving. As I said before, I'm just compelled to share about the mercy and grace of God despite our inadequacies, right? And though we're so undeserving, um, God is deserving, right? And it's not about us, it's about Him. And your dentistry is not about you, but it's about Him, right? It's not a question about whether God will bless, but it's about how he will bless in your willingness to serve. We know that the seeds have been planted in Pikeville, and we are expecting an abundant harvest um, according to his time. And, you know, the people in Pikeville, I mean, you know, just wherever you might be as a light, you know, People are going to wonder after that, you know? And it's not about us, right? They're going to be wondering about the mystery of God wrapped in his love, right? In his love. And it was wrapped in the humanity of Christ 2,000 years ago, right? But the beauty of it is that that love of God can be wrapped in you, right, today. And that's the mystery of God, right, which is Christ in you. And it's a privilege to take part of that today. Uh, We definitely sense our inadequacies, I said, and I'm going to repeat it again. We feel compared to share of God's love and mercy towards us, um, and how he can shine forth um, through us despite our inadequacies. I'm going to share this final quote, and then Fred will share a final final, um, passage, and then we're going to be ending. Everywhere there are hearts crying out for something which they have not. They long for a power that will give them mastery over sin, a power that will deliver them from the bondage of evil, a power that will give health and life and peace, Many who once knew the power of God's word have dwelt where there is no recognition of God, and they long for the divine presence. The world needs today what The world needs today what it needed more than 2,000 years ago, a revelation of Christ. Christ's method alone will give true success in reaching the people. The Savior mingled with men as one who desired their good. He showed his sympathy for them, ministered to their needs, and won their confidence. Then he bade them, follow me. There is need of coming close to the people by personal effort. If less time were given to sermonizing and more time were spent in personal ministry— greater results would be seen. We are to weep with those that weep and rejoice with those that rejoice. Accompanied by the power of persuasion, the power of prayer, the power of the love of God, this work will not, cannot be without fruit. Amen.
1: Okay, so in closing, I hope we didn't rush through the content too much. I feel... We're just going to trust in in the Holy Spirit's work because it's not what we have to share anyway. But I do want to share this. This is a song that was playing in the background in my office just this past week. And as I listened to the words, I thought, oh, this is what I want to share with amen. So in closing, I'm going to read this. It's a song that's entitled Leave With Nothing Left. Could it be we're so heavenly minded that somehow we've been blinded to what he's calling us to do right here? Could it be that Heaven's always planned it that we leave here empty-handed when this life disappears? But is it really living if my one ambition is simply hanging on till we all get out of here? I don't want to waste a breath, one heartbeat in this chest. I want to see his kingdom coming. I won't wish my life away. I want to live each day to give away what I've been given. I don't want to leave here with regret. I want to leave with nothing left. When I think of all that I've been given and what I've learned from living, I know exactly what I need to do. So I pray that God will give me chances to show how great His grace is by living out His truth. If somehow I could choose it, I'd be the one God uses to make a difference in, whatever for, in what forever means to you. Yes, that is what we want for ourselves, what we want for you God has called us to an extremely high calling, and uh, he wants to use us for that. So in closing, let's bow our heads um, as we pray. Our loving Father in heaven, you are so good. You are so gracious and merciful and loving, so much so that in contrast, we are so undeserving. Yet, in spite of who we are, you have given us truly a high calling to represent you, to reflect Christ in our lives, in everything that we do. Thankfully, Lord, we, can, we not only cannot, but we don't have to do it in our own strength. It is only by your strength alone uh, that we can accomplish the work that you have given to us. And so, Father, I pray that you will give each one of us a heart, a willingness to surrender to lay our lives at your feet. May we be used. May your power, spirit, and love be seen in each heart and life represented here uh, today, represented actually throughout this conference at Amen. May the spirit of Amen to reflect Christ in all that we do uh, be the power at work in all of our lives. And uh, this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.